Trust, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program and approved by all 50 state bars for IOLTA compliance. LawPay. Lawyers and beauty queens. Pop culture often portrays them as mean, underhanded, and vainglorious. But they can also be used as heroes in storytelling, as characters who have big hearts, mastermind plans to take down villains, and learn something about themselves while they're at it. Think about films like Liar Liar and Miss Congeniality. But other than Legally Blonde's Elle Woods, a first runner-up in Miss Hawaiian Tropics, we don't often see, in life or in fiction, lawyers who fit neatly into both groups. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and you're listening to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, the podcast where we explore some of the more unusual corners of the legal profession and the law. Today, we answer the question, What's it like being a lawyer and a past pageant winner? What's the key to winning a beauty pageant? Many people think it's all about looking good in a ball gown, but it's a mistake to undervalue the pageant's interview components, which for Miss America make up 40% of a contestant's total score. Doing well in these interviews isn't something that comes naturally to most. Top-performing pageant contestants tend to hire coaches to help them master the skills and elevate them above their peers. In reporting this show, we came across one such coach, Bill Alverson. He's an Alabama litigator who has translated his extensive trial experience into a valuable commodity in the pageant world. He's the inspiration for the Netflix series Insatiable, and to date, he's worked with five Miss Americas, two Miss USAs, and a Miss Universe finalist. As Bill sees it, there's plenty of connections between the worlds of pageantry and the law. I would always be curious about how a jury, uh, they would hire people to come in to be a jury consultant, right? And while I get the benefit of that and don't want to cut anybody out of business, we as litigators should have that skill set ourselves. And so that's what you do. You read the jury, you read your judge's panel the exact same way. We get information sheets on likes, dislikes, magazines our jurors read, sometimes are on federal profiles, those type things to reveal the personalities of the people that are going to hear your case. And then you have to tailor the case to them. And that is exactly what a pageant girl has to do. She may win her local small town pageant, go to a regional pageant, go to a state pageant, go to a national pageant. She's getting different judges. And so she has to be adaptable to the same story that she is selling And the two are actually not opposed to each other. They're exact parallels. Besides winning people over with your conversation skills, another part of mastering the pageant circuit is learning how to look like you're having a wonderful time, even if you're not. That's given Teresa Michelle Scanlon, Miss America 2011, who is now a third-year student at UC Berkeley School of Law, a fair amount of insight. I asked Teresa whether she feels her pageant experience has afforded her a unique perspective in law school. (laughs) So I am in a class this semester that I absolutely love. It's called Skills of Exceptional Lawyers, and it's focused on interpersonal dimension skills, social and emotional intelligence. Um, One of the books that we read is called Emotions Revealed by Paul Ekman, a scientist who's studied facial expressions, and he's the leading authority on it. His book is really excellent, and I, I learned a lot, and yet as you know, we were reading it and discussing it, one of the things I realized is sometimes the suggestion tended to be toward, oh, these certain emotions can't be faked. 
or, you know, people don't know how to fake them sort of. And so we're talking about smiles and how you can tell the difference between a real smile and a fake smile based on which muscles are contracted. And I just had to laugh because I think this is an experience for a lot of women and then certainly for women who are in entertainment or pageantry or whatever, that we've had to learn how to do that very thing. And we know how to make a quote unquote natural smile in a picture or on stage by pressing your tongue to the top front of your teeth so that it contracts the right muscles and brings your cheeks forward and what to do with your eyes and eyebrows in order to make it look like a natural smile. So it was interesting to see that, you know, I've learned those things and I know how to do that. But instead we were taking that idea of, oh, normally we don't even think about this and people don't know what to do. And yet I've had to sort of be hyper aware of these things because um, those were the things you got, you know, judged for by people not looking happy or friendly enough and that sort of thing. And so I learned to do that in pictures and on stage and in videos. And that's just been a part of it. And skills like appearing friendly or dazzling those around you with a genuine smile are only the beginning. Rising to the top sometimes requires a more fundamental consideration of how a contender thinks. So leading up to Miss America, I worked with a great man named Don Baker, and he coaches interviewing in all different aspects, executive coaching, that sort of thing in business, as well as pageantry. And so with pageant coaching, one of his core philosophies is being open and outward, this idea of being very like authentic and genuine. And a part of that is that humans are visual creatures. And so our temptation is to try to answer questions and think of words to say and try to think in terms of words and answer in terms of words. And it really trips us up where instead we should think in pictures like we naturally do. Um, so for example, he would do drills like saying a word and then you have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. And in order to do that quickly, you have to rely on the pictures that are popping into your mind. So you learn to trust yourself, you learn to be more open and authentic in that way. And then also to be able to speak and explain and and even remember things better. So if you're answering a cold call about a case, it's so much easier to think of that picture or that memory of what the case entailed visually versus trying to think of the exact words to say. And it really helps you become a more precise and eloquent speaker, I think. So what motivates a person to go through an experience like this? Pageants are highly competitive, and coaches and other expenses of competing can cost a lot of money. For Teresa, the reason was fairly simple. I'm the middle of six children, and my dad made it very clear very quickly that we were going to need to earn scholarships for college and graduate school. And I knew from a really young age that I wanted to go to law school. It was my goal ever since I was eight years old. There was nothing, I, nothing else I ever wanted to do in my life. And so Teresa was drawn to pageantry, not for the glitz and glamour, but because pageants afforded her a pathway to fulfilling her dream of attending law school and becoming an attorney. And so when I was 13 is when I first saw an advertisement for a local county fair pageant, and it was offering something like a $200 scholarship. But being 13 at the time, I didn't know how else I was going to earn a $200 scholarship. So I decided to go ahead and give it a try. And that was my first pageant. I had braces at the time. I had crazy frizzy hair. I had no idea how to do anything like makeup. I wore a $12 dress from JCPenney's after prom sale, and I won that pageant, started earning scholarship money, and continued to compete throughout high school. 
This story isn't unique, and this focus on educational scholarships is actually part of the mission of many pageant organizations. Ashley Hafman, Miss Alabama 1998, is now the vice president and general counsel of the packaging company Print Pack. She got her start in the America's Junior Miss pageant, a talent and scholarship contest now known as Distinguished Young Women, with the same mission as Teresa. She didn't originally want to enter the Miss America pageant as she thought it was too much about looks. Her college president convinced her otherwise. So because I participated in both of those programs, I ended up between my participation in Junior Miss and my participation in the Miss America system with I think it was probably close to $50,000 in cash scholarships. I had received full tuition scholarships to undergrad and to law school. But as we all know, there's lots of other expenses that go along with that. So I was able to use all of my cash scholarships to cover room and board, books. So between the cash scholarships that I won, I was able to graduate from undergrad and law school completely debt-free. For our listeners who have graduated from law school, as well as current law students, I know there's a pretty good percentage of you for whom debt-free sounds incredibly appealing. And you don't have to be the top winner to get prize money. I did not win my first preliminary, but I ended up getting some scholarship money because, you know, you can be awarded scholarship money for participating or placing. You don't have to necessarily win the competition. So I was then encouraged, like, oh, I, you know, I got $1,000 or whatever it was. So I decided to keep participating, participated in another preliminary and, and did win that one. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll explore how pageants help build highly capable attorneys. Part of building a successful practice is finding the right payment partner. It's important to work with a processor that understands the complex rules for legal payments. LawPay is the only payment solution that ensures trust account compliance for both credit card and e-check transactions. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program and approved by all 50 state bars for IOLTA compliance. LawPay. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, we explored why someone might take part in a pageant and how it serves your legal ambitions. But now let's dig a little deeper into just why pageants give contestants a leg up in the practice of law. Competition and the experience of both winning and losing can be a powerful foundation for pageant winners who go on to become attorneys with the positive impacts of pageant life first manifesting in law school. So Teresa, being in pageants, being in law school and being a new lawyer all of those things are really competitive. Right. Did you think your pageant experience helped you deal with the competitive aspects of law school? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely similar um, pageantry, law school, even, you know, students who had experience in sports as well. I would say that these things all have that competition aspect in common. I am extremely competitive, but in a way that it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't stress me out. I like competition and I enjoy it. And I think I found this with other students who have been in things like sports. They have that idea where the competition is fun. The challenge is what makes it exciting and enjoyable rather than stressful and overwhelming. And that is 
and an incredibly important attitude to have because unfortunately in law school we can often have the experience of being overwhelmed and full of anxiety and all sorts of other things and I think if nothing else certainly my experience in competing in pageants made me have a growth mindset because you win some, you lose some. I didn't win every pageant I ever entered. And therefore it gave me this idea that all of this is about enjoying the competition, enjoying the process, enjoying challenging myself. And and sure, sort of quote unquote, winning the competition is a great reward, but at the same time, that's not what matters. It's what you're learning in the meantime. It's how you're growing and developing. You're competing against yourself, you know, being better than you were a year ago. And, and that's certainly how I plan to approach the practice of law as well. Also, pageants might help you be better at winning and losing gracefully. And that's a skill that serves well in the practice of law. Here's Ashley's take on that. Being Miss Alabama or being Alabama's Junior Miss was a big deal. And there were a lot of young women who grew up wanting to participate in those programs and be a part of them. And so there were women, particularly in the Miss Alabama program, who would spend years competing, five, six, seven years competing to be Miss Alabama. And obviously, not everybody can win. So you have to really have the ability to participate and enjoy it and then be able to sort of gracefully accept if you are not selected as the one person from that group of, you know, 50 plus people or however many women happen to be competing. Same thing in the legal world, particularly law school. Most people who get to law school have been successful their whole lives and then they're put into a group of other highly successful people and not all of them can make the A plus or the A in the class. So from my perspective, I found it helpful that I had learned to sort of appreciate the journey and form relationships with people along the way, like I did in competing in, in Miss Alabama. Same thing applied in law school, that you know, making friends with people and um, establishing relationships with people, because those people are, are all now my peers in the legal community. And we all, you know, rely on one another for our success. So I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. After graduating from law school, Ashley went to work at the Washington, D.C. office of Jones Day and found she occasionally had to work against the preconceptions of her peers. And what, what did they think about uh, you being at, at Miss Alabama? I think that there were probably a few people who looked, you know, askance a little bit. Uh, at it. There were a lot of folks there who were double Ivy graduates and, you know, had amazing educational pedigrees. And so it was a little bit odd for me, somebody who went to a small school in Alabama that most, you know, people there had not heard of, and then gone to a state school, the University of Georgia for law school, being sort of amongst all of those storied resumes. So I think on the one hand, some people thought, well, this, you know, this makes her interesting. And then some people, I think, thought that I didn't deserve to be there because I was a pageant winner and didn't have the same, the same pedigree. But, you know, in the end, we all en- ended up working there together. The people who look down on pageant winners like Ashley and Teresa likely subscribe to the belief that they succeeded purely on the basis of their looks. But if you have actual experience with pageants, then you know that's not true. 
and the prettiest contestant doesn't always win. Here's Bill explaining why. The reason that the prettiest girl doesn't always win is because sometimes that pretty girl her entire life, she has used her looks as a crutch without realizing that she needed to do the additional work or she needed to have more depth and show that in her interview because she's always used to being picked and selected because she was pretty. Kind of like the the jock that's always included in everything in high school with the guy. And as he gets older, if he didn't develop out at 30, he's fat and bald and not really the center of attention. And maybe that's the biggest reason why pageant winners can make great lawyers. Just as every good lawyer should pride themselves on their ability to work hard for their client and to persevere in tough situations, women who compete in pageants, many from a young age, have run the gauntlet in the face of constant judgment, motivated by their drive to self-improve and to win. And when they come out on the other side and enter into the study and practice of law, they know what it takes to succeed. One thing, again, because I'm very competitive, is when other people underestimate me or carry stereotypes with them about Miss America, I just sort of set out to prove that wrong. And so usually that means having to work much harder. And I think this is actually common for women in general, regardless of whether they've been in pageants or not. Other people may underestimate them simply due to that. And then you just have to work harder to prove yourself Obviously, that's a debate for another day, whether that's a good or a bad thing. But that's often how I approach it, is I know that I can work hard, and that is one of the things I'm most proud of is my work ethic, and I will do whatever it takes to prove that I can hold my own and that I can earn my stripes. And I've had to do this in the military, I've had to do this in law school, and I do sort of feel that I need to work harder and prove myself even more in order to overcome some of those ideas. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and you've been listening to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app, or share your thoughts or ideas with us on Twitter at ABA Journal, or my own handle at SFW70, Roman numeral 2. The ABA Journal's Asked and Answered is a joint production by the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network. This episode was produced by Evan DeSherry and me. Mix, edit, and invaluable guidance provided by Adam Lockwood. Support and encouragement from executive producer Lawrence Coletti. The music for this episode is licensed from soundstripe.com. You can find more details about the music we used in the show notes of this episode. Special thanks to our guests Bill Alverson, Teresa Scanlon, and Ashley Halfman for teaching us about the pageant world. <laughs>